Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 149. I am joined by my co-host, uh, Stacy. That's at Stacy Patton 89. Stacy, what's going on? Not too much. Uh, I, uh, I, feel, uh, I feel a little bit like, um, like Jesse in the fifth season of Breaking Bad, just uh, in a prison, just waiting for that... <laughs> that moment when we're in the car just crying i don't know if that's if the knicks finally decide to tank if the knicks play better but uh yeah they were they're not gonna play better they're good on that (laughs) they're they're fine actually um but before we get started uh i just want to let everybody know that the strickland does have a patreon now if you want to subscribe to it that would be greatly appreciated uh there are different tiers you can subscribe to uh if you subscribe to the $6 tier, you get access to Pod Strickland every Friday. You also get access to the, the mailbag every other week with me, Jeremy, and Drew. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. Uh, 24-7 Nick's Talk. We also talk about various things like Succession um, and other shows like The Sopranos. We actually have an entire Sopranos channel, if that's your thing. Um, but... Regardless of whether you subscribe to that tier or any of the other tiers, $9 tier, $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, whatever, whether you subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's talk about the Knicks. Um, Let's talk about the Knicks because somehow, as shitty as the Knicks fucking weekend was, it was less infuriating for me than having to sit through the Buffalo Bills get absolutely fucked by the refs um that really sucked i hated every minute of it and i hope that entire crew gets fired and never works another job in this country again i also hope that they don't get welfare checks and i also hope that they are incarcerated um but we're not here to talk about the bills and how they got fucked we are here to talk about the knicks um Swinney comes from the kim jong-un school of uh of disciplining yes Yep, that's... You didn't talk about imprisoning their family for three generations, but I assume yeah. that wasn't far from your mind. I mean, look, I uh, look. My father was is an immigrant from India. Um, I'm sure that discipline was made it out um, similarly to you growing up too, Stacy. Um, Somebody but... gonna get a hurt real bad. Look, I look that the Knicks are just a fucking mess right now. There's all kinds of shit going on. Obviously, Obi and RJ are now out uh, because of COVID protocol. Um, I, I don't really know where to start. I guess you just have to start with Julius, who, like, like I- I've seen a lot of people talk about trading him. You know, he's terrible. He's mailing it. I don't watch him right now and watch a guy who is mailing it in. I don't watch a guy who I think was like, I, I don't watch him and think like, well, he tried hard last year. Now that he got paid, he doesn't care anymore. That's not actually at all what I think. I think he cares too much. Um, and I think he's 
overthinking things. I think his confidence is like totally, you know, if if his confidence was at the, it, it's lower than the floor, right? It, it's it, he has no confidence right now the way he's playing, um, and I almost think he's like reading too much into the criticisms of his game because to me, I watch a game like yesterday, and I'm like. It's like he he doesn't want to shoot because he wants everybody to see like how unselfish he is and how he's trying to be a team player, and he's just not able to find the balance at all. You know, we've had stretches of him being super aggressive. We had stretches of him being way too passive. He's back in a passive phase now. He just cannot get going this season. Um, and you know the the three point shot, like forget, I mean forget making it. He's just not. He doesn't even want to take them, and you can see it. Like you can really see it in how he's playing. Um. I actually think his defense has like kind of picked up lately. I'm not saying he's been great, but like I don't think his defensive effort is the big culprit that it was earlier in the season. Now it just feels like he is just lost offensively, and I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just watch him, and I'm, it's very odd to just see how he's playing right now. Yeah, um, I do agree that I think a lot of it, uh, it's not him not trying hard or not caring. In a way, that's more discouraging to me, though. Um, because here's the thing. I think he's trying to... A lot of his turnovers yesterday, uh, he beats his guy, and then he gets poked from behind, or he's assessing the floor. And for the role, like, he, when a lot of his assists last year were when he would, um, you know, he'd post up, or he would drive, and he'd get in the air, and it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. Um, but, like, he could just survey the floor around him. When it's a little bit more, you know, when he's kind of running a pick and roll or when he has to make quick decisions, like that processing for what like the maximized version of him is, I don't know that it's there and I don't know that it's ever there. And I also don't know that he can play in kind of a wide open offense, um, you know, and like I, I think you almost have to do that post up thing with him. And there's a cap ceiling because he's not the processing power of a guy like. Jokic or some of these elite power wings is that's not a knock that he can still be a good player but that caps the ceiling of that offense but then the other question is if they ever did get another point guard um you know would they be able to evolve beyond this would would Julius play like you know the role Draymond does in Golden State and I don't know if he can do that either um so that and so I mean some of the struggle and like he really has tried to change his game um you know I've treated about a shot profile before but he's maintained his three-point rate while almost doubling the number of drives he has uh, or number of rim attempts. Um, so he's taking fewer mid-range shots. He's, he is trying to do those things, but A, he's not getting a lot of foul calls. B, like the decrease in shooting is, is a lot more. I think most people didn't expect him to shoot 42, 43% from three again, but he's, you know, a below average shooter this year. Um, I would imagine that ticks back up to league average, but overall, um, what are you looking at? Um, Overall, but you know, even even that version of him, it probably caps the team a little bit. And uh, as you think about building out the team, um, you know, these are these are things you have to think about. And I I tweeted this out yesterday. I wouldn't um, I wouldn't um, you know we we discussed a few weeks ago you know a De'Aaron Fox trade, and I think at the point I was like I think I would be willing to trade Randall, and I'm I'm more confident in that idea now. Um, because there's Fox is a flawed player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not even arguing that he's better than Julius right now, but it's becoming difficult to see the vision um, of building a championship team, even if Randall's the third best player. I just, 
like I don't see it with Fox. I'm, I don't get it. Like I, I feel like we look at Fox and we don't watch him every game. We watch Julius every game. You know, we watch Julius, good, bad, shit, garbage, asshole, however he plays. Any of those uh, classifications, we've watched it. Um, so the lens is is a lot sharper on him for us. I don't really get what it is about Fox that people are watching and are like, oh, man, like, let's trade. Rand-. Like, swapping Randall for him to me is like, is the vi- like, I agree that if this is what Julius is, even if he ticks back up a little bit in terms of shooting, like, it's a difficult player to fit in, um, especially if he's not able to scale down usage uh, into kind of a second or third banana roll. Um, I think Fox is every bit as hard to, to build around as Julius. Like, yeah, he's a penetrating guard and he's exciting, but like, like the, the Kings have a pretty decent amount of shooting. He's not exactly booing their offense to any great heights. Um, yes, we can say that Luke Walton is a shitty coach and we can say all these things, but at some point, like, it's not just about coaching or management. Like he's a max contract player. So this is not like you're taking a gamble. Like when we signed Julius, right? We signed him for a three year, $63 million deal. Whether you like the contract, hated it, whatever. I don't think anybody would have looked at that contract and been like, well, holy shit, that's like a really big bet. Like, you know, it was, it was what it was. It was a glorified two year deal. De'Aaron Fox, if you're trading for him, one, he makes a lot more money than, than Julius Randall. Um, He's owed his his extension just started this year. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. He's owed over the next uh, four years as, after this one. He's owed about a hundred and thirty five million over that time period. That's a lot more expensive than Julius, or not a lot more expensive, but it is more expensive than Julius Randall. So you're not like it's not like you're trading Julius for the same contract. You're actually paying a little bit more. Then on top of that. Um, Yes, he's a penetrating guard who's very exciting. He is, uh, he's another guy. Like, all of his value comes with what he does with the ball in his hands. He's not a good off-ball player. He's not a good shooter. He's actually got a shittier shooting profile than Julius, if we're going to be completely honest. Um, he's, a, he's a worse shooter than Julius. Uh, yes, his finishing and the, the interior scoring will tick up back to what it was career, but it's not good. He's a terrible defender at point of attack. Sure, some of that is the Kings, like, I get it. I think that's probably a fair thing to to expect. Like, hey, if he comes to a better, more functional team, his defense will pick up. I, I'm I can accept all that. Um, the reality is, he's not a good defender. He's not a versatile defender because he's not big enough to switch across positions, really. Um, and he, again, his entire utility is what he does with the ball in his hands, which, to some degree, is the exact problem we have with Julius. You can say that yes, because of his play style and what he is as a player, because he's a more natural lead guard, that would benefit us. But ultimately, I think if you were tra- if, if that is if the trade is ultimately some version of like swapping Julius for Fox, to me that just feels like you are swapping problematic pieces for each team and hoping that like a change of scenery will do something. And I just feel like if you're going to trade, like we were, we've been talking about this in the discord uh, earlier today. So I think it's worth bringing up. There's a lot, like, I think it's fair to say looking around the NBA, there's a ton of teams that are kind of stuck in this middle class. Uh, A lot of teams that are competitive and not a lot of teams that look like they want to tank. I think that's fair to say. Um, if there's a time to zig while everybody's zagging, this might be it. 
Um, if you're going to trade Julius to me, this is just my opinion. If you're going, and I, I actually would not trade Julius. I think that um, what we need to do is find ways to optimize and make the game a bit easier for him. Like we tried to get him a lead guard because we knew that's what we needed. Kemba hasn't worked out. We tried to get him a more dynamic two guard who could put the ball on the floor and make some plays in Evan Fournier. And so far, that's been a fucking disaster. Let's be honest. Like both of those signings have been fucking disasters for the Knicks. Um, whether you think Kemba got scapegoated or whatever, I don't really care about the specifics of it. Regardless of why, both of those signings have been a disaster and they've actually not made anything easier. And in if anything, they have now uh put an increased workload on guys like Burks uh, to step in and elevate his game. And we're not actually benefiting from the fact that Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin have played better this year than they even did last year. So we're not reaping the benefits of that, especially because we're not playing them enough minutes. That's a separate discussion, which we'll get into later. Um, if you're going to trade Julius to me, then what you should just do is try to get assets. I don't think you should try to do a Fox thing. I think what you have to do is, just take on some shitty vet contracts, hopefully not too long, and try to accumulate picks because I think there's an appetite for trying to compete now around the league and a willingness to include picks. Um, and I think you can capitalize on that to an extent. I think you can maybe even pick up some a decent young player or two in a, in a Julius deal. I know he's not played well, played great this year. But I do think there'll be teams that look at him and are like, that contract is really, I mean, four years, $117 million. If you look at some of the guys that are getting paid that amount, it's you can bitch and cry about how much he's getting paid and that he's mailing it in now or whatever. But like, yeah, there's plenty of teams that would take that contract, in my opinion, uh, and would actually pay to get that contract because I think they would look at him and be like, well, we can make the game a lot easier for him. Um, uh, that's what I would try to do. If you're going to trade Julius, that's what I think you should do. Um, if you're going to keep him, then I think there's a lot of other discussions to be had about how you can open up the floor for him, uh, de decrease his scoring burden or his shot creation burden in general, playmaking and scoring. Um, and I think that's that's really, for me, like I'm interested to see what this front office does because they have a lot of... Look, they, they haven't had to make super hard decisions yet. And I think this is a really hard decision. This is like the first adversity they've faced in about a year and a half uh, on the job or a season and a half anyway on the job. Um, I'm interested to see how they negotiate it because I think you look at this team and currently you're not getting anything out of the center position. Uh, you've got a guy you drafted eighth overall who looks like he's taken a significant step on both ends of the floor, really. Um you have a bunch of picks. You have some nice young guys other than OB2, right? You got RJ, who I still believe in. I think that's buying the Kevin Knox explosion yesterday. No, I I'm <laughs> hopeful. I, I, I hope that we trade Kevin Knox somewhere that he can get it burned because, you know, he's still young. Maybe you can put it together somewhere. It's just not gonna happen here for him. Um I buy I think quickly needs more reps. I don't care that he's inconsistent from three. Like I really don't give a fuck. Uh that's just part of him figuring out his game, I think. And I think he's made leaps as a playmaker that would be um, more on show in a more prominent role. So that's, you know, I think you have some nice young pieces here. I think Grimes is a player. Like, I know I'm not even just saying that because he went off yesterday. Like, I've consistently been impressed with him since watching him in Summer League. And he has basically done everything I thought he would be able to do from day one in the NBA. Um, we'll see. I know you're a big Deuce guy. <laughs> uh, I know you're a big Deuce McBride guy. Uh, but 
I I don't have I have no opinion on him because genuinely like I I have no opinion about him. I didn't do a bunch of college fucking scouting last year, and I have not seen him obviously in the NBA in any meaningful minutes. So we'll see what it is. Um, but there's there's stuff here to like, and if you just want to go down that path, like, and I I don't know, like I just feel like when I watch Julius play with, and not just Julius, when you watch that entire starting group, when you take out Fournier and you take out the center and you put in Obi and you put in a quickly or a Rose or whatever, like that group all of a sudden looks a lot different. looks a lot more dynamic. It looks a lot more threatening offensively. Uh, the game, the speed of the game picks up. And I, I'm pretty, I feel like if Tibbs was a little bit more willing to compromise, not compromise, but adjust his defensive scheme, um, like don't run fucking drop coverage when you have Julius and Obi playing together because that doesn't really make any sense. Stuff like that. Uh, I'm pretty optimistic about what that team could even do defensively. So um, to me, that is the pivot and how you want to get to those, get to that where you're playing Obi more quickly, more uh, giving them more prominent roles, maybe finding Grimes minutes. Um, th- those are the things that I'm more interested in, in kind of. Yeah. So investing. I Sorry, that was like a fucking seven minute rant. My bad. I do want to push back a little bit on a couple of the things you said about De'Aaron Fox. Um, so number one, his finishing at the rim has not gotten worse this year. Um, not meaningfully. He's still at 64% for his career. is at 69%. Um, last year for the entire season, he was at 76. Um, and he's still, you know, for his career, he's putting up between 20% and a quarter of his attempts there. Um, Would you say 5% below his career average is a pretty significant drop-off? And I, and I mean... Yeah, but it's still really a good like sixty four percent for it's guard. It's good. It's good. It's good. Don't get me wrong, but like, if he's not going to be a shooter, which look maybe he does, like guys. Put I, so that's that's the second part I wanted to come to, right? So I think that he, his rim pressure isn't just good. It's it's pretty close to elite in terms of his shooting. So the, the percentages are worrying, but for his career, he has taken about um, a little over half. A, a little over half of his threes have been assisted. But another way, that means nearly half of his threes have been unassisted. This year, forty percent of his threes are unassisted, um, and the percentages reflect that. But that's like that's like Donovan Mitchell level, right? So we can criticize him for not being able to play off the ball. But the reality is, the other way to look at it is the the, the Kings really need the ball in his hands because they don't have other like Tyrese Halliburton isn't really a shot creator in that mold yet. Davion Mitchell is still struggling on the offensive end. Uh, I mean, they have a couple of nice players like they have Rashawn Holmes. If Harrison Barnes, they definitely have talent, but in terms of shot creation, he's always been it, and a lot of his percentages are de- are depressed by having to take those shots. Um, so I think that there is. So I'm not saying that he's going to be Steph Curry or something, but is he the kind of guy, um, you know, kind of like shooter even who probably is a better shooter than his percentages are saying by quite a bit? Do I think he'd be a league average shooter and someone teams can't go under on? Absolutely, and you combine that with elite ability to get to the rim. And I would still say the thing that with Julius, the comparison is, is the processing. Uh, but, you know, I understand we disagree on Fox. So here's where I come back to with Julius, right? I'm not so convinced that plugging, just playing him with Rose uh, and Obi is going to open things up in the same way. Um, because, like, when Rose and Randall play together, the offense does, like, that's the thing, right? It kind of... Um, you know, like, it's like, you know, if you have two people that are friends and, like, one is a good influence and one is a bad influence, you know, it, that friendship can go either way, right, for both of them. With Julius and Randall, it tends to, they don't get to, they don't Julius get out in transition. Rose, I'm assuming. What, Julius and Randall, yeah. yeah. 
Rose and Randall, they don't they they tend to shift more toward and part of that is they're playing more against starters, agreed. But Rose isn't like what he is able to do for that bench lineup is in like he ups the pace, right? Um, because he plays with great off ball players, right? Um, Ob, I wouldn't say quickly he's a great off ball player, but he's he moves a lot. Um, you know, Rose is able to um, Rose is that that's where Rose can really be a catalyst, right? When you put him with Julius, that offense tends to play a little bit slower, and Rose still adds value with his ability to get a bucket. Um, but I just uh, that's where I've been more down is like I think that you're just capped in terms of what you can do with Julius. Now the other end, um, uh, other end of that is if we can get center, if we can get center play, right? Like good, good rim protection from the center position. Um, then I think the interesting convo is who should start between Rose and Quickly. Now Rose is a better player, and it but it also reminds me a little bit of kind of the debates that we've been having last summer, right? You have the Lonzo crowd which basically said you want someone who's a good defender um, because that lineup is never going to be bonkers offensively, but you want them to play defense and you want someone who can shoot open threes and get them into sets and make good passes. Quickly is not exactly Lonzo Ball, but he's someone who can fill that role, which Alec Burks can't right now. He's He has to turn his back 40 feet from the hoop. I actually have been defending Alec Burks more than I ever thought I would have to. There are some Looney Tunes on Twitter. But one thing I'll say is that he's not a point guard and he should be playing shooting guard. Um, so if that's what you feel you need from that position, like no matter what, we're going to be Randall centric, post him up. Like that's just what we're going to do. That'll probably be a middle of the pack offense. But if we can be middle of the pack defense, that allows uh, the bench to kind of, to be the decisive factor. I can see that. Um, the other, the other kind of argument would be the Tyrese and Oscar argument that you need someone who can actually scramble defenses and get to the rim, which would be the argument for Rose. But like what I was saying earlier, what I worry about with Rose is that you put him in that lineup and you really diminish what he what he's brings so effectively to that bench. And because of his pace, by the way, the bench doesn't really have a lot of great defenders, but they overperform because they're constantly getting out in transition. They're able to make teams pay, uh, and they score they score so much that you know it's easier to defend when you're not uh, when you don't have to defend in transition. They're they're also just more active, which makes a big difference. They're more communicative. They they talk a lot more. Um, what I would yeah, say so, is this. So, uh, so, the, the, so that's, the, let me I'll just add one last thing. So that's why I, I would start IQ, but in general, why I think the, the offense is kind of capped with Randall, um, more so than I think it would be with a version of De'Aaron Fox that continues to improve, especially if you can add someone like Miles Turner. And it's also why my adjustment that I think I'm still on, I'm still on board with IQ in place of Fournier. I actually think Rose, Fournier, and Obi together could be a lot of fun. Because all you have two guys who love to move without the ball, and one guy who's terrific at playing at, at punishing defenses that um, cannot help him on drives, uh, and I think that would make the. So, but I think with Randall, you're basically saying we want the the, the starters to be good on offense, um, and get as much as you can out of the Randall centric offense, and then allow the bench to blow it open. And then I would close most games with Rose. So. Um. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying this quickly for a while. Um, if Rose could just, if Rose was like, if I didn't have any injury concerns about Rose, like even given what you laid out, I would, it would just make sense to start him. But like the other thing with Rose is if you put him in a starter's role and he plays, he's going to play at least 30 minutes if he starts, right? Like that's just how that works probably. I mean, we, we saw it last year. Like if you start t- dialing up his minutes, there's only so many minutes you get out of him a season. Um, 
So you got to be careful with him. Like, I, that's why I just wouldn't start him. I wouldn't even think about it unless like, you know, if the medical staff and Rose are like, no, nah, I'm good. I can start. I can play 30 minutes a night. Okay. I guess go for it. But like, I, I don't see that. Um, and yeah, like, I think if you want to do this Randall centric thing, which I'm actually fine with, like not in terms of the long-term vision, but they did not get a guy good enough to start that I would be like, well, he clearly needs to get the ball more than Julius. Like people can say that Kemba got scapegoated or whatever, but like, I mean, you look at the offense when like he had plenty of opportunities to get, to go downhill and and attack and and score. Like Tibbs wants his point guards to score. Like that's what he has done his entire career. Fucking Alfred Payton had a higher usage last year than Kemba had this year. Do you really think, Tibbs was like, oh, yeah, Kemba, we actually want you to shoot less than Elf did last year. There's no fucking shot. Um, but, yeah, like, if you're going to do this Randall-centric thing, and I, I think it's okay to go with that again this year because we didn't upgrade the offense in the way that we expected or hoped. But or I, don't know that any, I don't know that any upgrade on offense really could do that, right? Because I, I think that he, you know, he, his just his force of his game ends up shifting anyone towards kind of a, a slower paced game and all of those kind of things. I, I think I, I that just, would I, those. But like, but like the, the team play, like, again, I've, I've looked this up. I've done it. Like the team plays like a hundred pace or whatever, when Randall's on the floor with Rose and IQ, um, which would be like around league average. Like that's fine. That's not, we're obviously that's, not. We're talking about Rose, right? Like with Rose, normally you can have a, a top five pace lineup, right? So you're kind of diminishing. But he's never has played there. at that pace. Like even when he plays without Randall, I think the pace stays about like a hundred, maybe a little less. Even I have to look it up. Um, like he's like he. We get better transition opportunities, but if you actually like look at the pace, like it's not like we're zooming around. Like we're not the Warriors exactly. Is my point. Um, and that's just the case with any of these guards. Like I don't think we have that guard maybe fox fox if he came he'd probably push the tempo a ton um but like i don't to me like there's actually no fucking reason not to start quickly um he should start and we should actually be interested in figure like what is gonna happen if you give him fucking 30 games and you're like you're the starting point guard what like i, I don't understand the argument anymore against it other than if you think Rose can start, if you think Rose can start, then okay. That's the only argument for him not to start because otherwise who the fuck like Fournier is fucking awful right now. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, hold my hand up. I thought he would be, and I don't want to say great signing. I thought he was a definite notch above Bullock. He's been terrible. Like he's been fucking awful on both ends, actually. Like not just, this is not like, He's giving you what you thought on offense, but he's giving it all back on defense. This is like he's actually doing nothing on offense, and then he's also not doing anything on defense other than like never being where he should be. Um, so he's been terrible. Burks, I agree with you. I have no criticism of Burks. Like if your criticism of Burks is he's not a point guard, like okay, cool, I agree. But we're asking him to be point guards. So that's stupid. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I would start him at the two. I would start him at the two. Right. Yeah. And so, like, to me, like, the fix is... Or the three, if you think RJ is the two, whatever. you can. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Those are the two wings. Um, like, to me, the fix, it's, it's very, very not easy because we don't know how it'll work out. Maybe we do the things I say and nothing really changes. But, like, you have to find out if... Like, there's no reason not to find out anymore if quickly can start. If he can be your starting point guard. Because all of... Kemba was terrible. Burks is not a point guard. 
Rose, presumably the reason Tibbs isn't starting him, because I'm pretty confident Tibbs would love to start Derrick Rose, um, is that he's, his body can't sustain that over a full 82-game season and potentially, hopefully, increasingly less likely playoffs. Um, so what's the reason not to start quickly? Is it that he, oh, because he's inconsistent? Cool. Like, are we watching the same fucking team? Because the only thing the starters do consistently is fucking get their ass kicked and fucking get punched in the face for the first six minutes and go down by fucking 20. That's what happens every fucking game. They come out like they Can just I make an did. argument against quickly um, starting? Because I have one, but. I, I, I'm all for hearing it, but just real quick, I would start quickly. Burks, RJ, Randall, whichever center has a pulse that night. Uh, I mean, to be honest, if we were being completely honest, I think we should just start Obi with Randall and go from there, but we're not going to do that. So whatever, whichever center is functional. Um, and then I think off the bench, you just do Rose Grimes, Fournier, Obi, pick another center and go from there. Like I, I, Grimes has to play first. Like he absolutely has to play. He has good energy, much like Obi. He is another player who off ball hunts space. He doesn't just stand around and wait for the space to find him. He is always looking to find uh, an open spot and make himself an option. Um, I think that's really necessary. He's active defensively. I think if you just play him five, 10 games, he'll pick up on what he needs to be doing, um, pick up the schemes. He's good at the point of attack because he's good at fighting over screens. He gets skinny over them really well. Uh, he's physical. I think he's given more minutes. He'll show that he's a good rebounder for his size. That was something he did really well in college. Generally, those are things that that's something that translates very well um, across levels. Um, so I and he's obviously I mean, the other thing about him specifically as a shooter, it's not just that he's a good shooter. It's that he doesn't need much airspace to get off a good shot because of his release point. Um, and we saw that yesterday multiple times. So to me, he's just a guy that has to play at this point based on his performance and what this team needs and quickly should start and we just let that thing play out and see how we see how it goes. And then Obi obviously needs to play more than fucking, he needs to be getting at least 20 minutes a night, probably more at this point. Yeah. Um, so with quickly, here's the argument against it. I generally gun to my head. I would start him, but if there is a weakness he has on offense, it is this tendency drives that don't go anywhere. And he either picks up his dribble or then he has to dribble out and you know, dribbles for a long time calls for an ISO or tries to get a switch um, on an offense that already struggles to get into sets and an offense um, where you already have some, you know, some stagnation as a result of Randall. I wonder if that would make it you know, worse uh, or play Could into it, some of their both. Can it, can it be worse? The <laughs> offense hasn't, the offense has not been the issue for the starters as much as the defense. Overall, I would do that. And I think the offense has been worse because again, the, the worst thing with Burks is that, um, you know, he can't really handle ball pressure. And then like, I mean, when you're turning your back to the, to the defense, right. And, and to the rim from 30 feet, um, like, you know, like your Mark Jackson in 1995, um, that we got problems folks. Right. So well, it's, it's also like, so even if you, even if you want point Brooks to still be the thing, what that unit needs is another ball handler. That is because, true. The like question is, should it be Rose or IQ, right? Yes. That's and the- it's like, and I, I don't even think Rose is worth discussing because I really like, do, do you think I, I, this is a question? Do you think if if Rose could play and start thirty minutes a game and could sustain that over the let's say if you knew that he could do that for sixty five games, uh, don't you think he would be the starter for this team? Like, don't you think Tibbs would just start him? Well, he has started um, Rose 
like yesterday when um you know when they have injuries, right? Right. Um, I think he's going to close games. I don't think the Knicks have that option. But um, you know, I, I'm not so sure that that's kind of a cut and dry thing. I thought I had seen quotes where Rose said he preferred to come off the bench, but I haven't really seen that. Uh, I, I couldn't find those quotes. So I think it's more of a situation where he's happy with his role. Probably, you know, him and his agent are probably telling Tibbs, yeah, like we want to play longer than the next three years, so don't cook me. Well, um, he said he wants to play. Like he said something about like being Tom, Tom Brady, Brady, right? And I mean, Fuck Tom Brady, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did he did he play yesterday? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he did play. Uh, and actually, uh, he played really well, but um, definitely got bailed out by some very, very totally non controversial officiating. Uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if that's, I, I think it's worth discussing just because I don't think that's that cut and dry. Um, but that's what worries me about the IQ thing is like if if he could end up contributing to the stagnation, he can also help them go faster. But given that him and Julius both have those habits, um, that's where I, I tend to be a little bit hesitant. But to your point, if Rose isn't an option, then there's other people who are like, well, we need Grimes to be in there because IQ is too. First of all, that's the thing I've been hearing a lot. IQ is too small to guard. And I just don't see it, right? Um, you know, Whoa, like well, Drew took him to the post a couple of times. Like, yeah, Drew yeah. also took fucking Grimes to the post a couple of times. Also also blew past, Drew also blew past Rose. Yeah. And if guards are posting <laughs> us up, um, that's a much I will take that actually, more than guards who just get in the lane and Mitch isn't coming over to help because he's tired or he doesn't have the same burst, whatever, and oh, just scrambling our defense. So yeah, I would rather have quickly's quickness. He has the length, and his strength is underrated. And if you watch the most dangerous guards we've played, Zach Levine, those guys, he hasn't shut anyone down, but he's been by far the most competent defender. Well, and also the Levine one, like, look, Levine just made some fucking great shots. Like, if you look yeah. at, if you go look at the shots that Levine made, there were not a lot of like, oh, he just burned a pass quick and got to the rim, right? Like, which is like the thing with Levine that you. If he's going to make tough shots, you, well, you saw him do that. that to the Knicks' other defenders. You saw him do that to Burks. You saw him do that to, to Rose. Yeah, I saw him do it to Fournier too. Uh... Yeah, but that's not even a comparison. But the <laughs> point is, and, and and Grimes showed a lot as a defender, but he has his own technique issues. He's a rookie, right? That's fine. But it's like, um, and so like this is this is and he doesn't give you the ball handling quickly does. Right. But yeah, and this is the thing with quickly that I just go back to, and I, I all your points about like what could be problematic are fair and they're probably right they probably will be problematic at but that's time. probably that's an argument for rose not for grimes to be clear yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and the thing with quickly is i just don't care like i don't give a shit he's a second year player so are there gonna be issues of like him figuring shit out and yes of course 100 percent. there will 1000 percent be issues that that will rear their head if he is the starting point guard but the point of fucking doing it is that you hope that you go through those growth pain, like you go through that pain to then get the reward at the end of it, right? Like Darius Garland this year is playing great basketball, phenomenal basketball. Darius Garland, the first two years of his career, you can say whatever you want about him, but he was not like this. He was not what he is now. Like he had to go through those growing pains and they had to, they had to empower him. He had to figure shit out with Colin Sexton. He had to play in all these different fucking lineups and shit. Like, this is part of the growth of a point guard. Like Kyle Lowry 
is now probably considered, I don't want to say like the ideal, but he's like kind of like a platonic ideal of what you want from a point guard, right? Like he can play on and off ball. He can give you, he can score when he needs to. He can also be a distributor when he needs to. He can kind of like do all the things you want from a lead ball handler, right? Even if he's not necessarily exceptional at any one thing, he can do all of it. Well, he can get to the rim and he picks his dribble up, right? And, and yes. I think that I would agree with all of that, except, yeah, I guess this is kind of my concern about Randall is that, I do think players' bad tendencies, it seems like they tend to be exacerbated around him. Uh, I'm not saying that to blame him. Uh, that's a very much a feelings ball thing. No, um, I, don't even, I don't even disagree with you. What I is, am more arguing is like, I think it's one, I think it's too early to be like, like, I'm sorry, like, this is just me, and I'm not saying you are saying this. I'm sorry, but like, I am not, I'm not trading a guy who did what he did last year, and because now crowds are back in stadiums and he's going through a really rough patch. And that means like, he can't play in front of people. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Like I'm not, I think what he did last year was real. I think that the fact that like we had the season we had last year was largely, I I think it's fair to say largely down to him. Um, And yes. Is he struggling right now? Absolutely. Is he playing like shit to a large degree? 1000%. There's no denying that. I also think that he is being put in positions to fail because of the lack of creativity that Tibbs has shown offensively. And also, uh, to your point, like we've just discussed this with Burks, we have not we've not put together lineups that that have enough ball handling where the Julius post up doesn't need to be. It's like a drug, right? Like you like have to go to it because we don't have anything else, you know. Um, I would like to see, I I would like to give him a full season is really where I'm at. Like I I would like to see us give him a full season and really look at the different combinations that are available to us on the roster. Because I do think like, yes, I I agree with you that there is a tendency of like, well, when Julius on the floor, we play a certain way, right? Does that, can that change? Like if you play him with quickly more, if he plays with Obi more, can he like alter his game to fit in with how those guys are playing? Because I see things like, look, I know they didn't score great against Toronto, but I look at a lot of the reads he made when Obi was on the floor and I loved them. I thought he played, I thought he played really well that game. Like I know he had a terrible end to the first half, but I thought in the second half, he was awesome. I thought he didn't force the action. I thought he did a really good job of finding open shooters. I thought he let the game come to him. I thought he also was like, there's a difference between, being a good distributor and then distributing for the sake of it. And yesterday he was just distributing for the sake of it. He was just like, Oh, I'll pass the ball because I want to prove out. I thought against the Raptors, he did a really good job of, of reading the game and taking what it was giving him and letting other guys cook. And I thought he played a really, really good game. I thought his defense on Pascal, I mean, Pascal was three of 18. He, he had him in jail. He owns him at least on defense. Um, uh, I, I thought he played a really good game, and I thought that was really encouraging. And obviously, yesterday was a terrible, terrible step in the wrong direction. But like, I just want to see more of that. I want to see him get more reps with guys like Quickly and Obi and Grimes, even because I think those guys play in a way where, yes, he's still going to have those stretches where he stupidly, you know, he goes and gets the ball and like waves off quick or waves off. You know what I mean? He's going to do that, obviously. But can he grow out of that? Can he like learn to trust those guys a bit more? Can they get him to be a better version of what he can be? Um, I, I would like to give that more time. I just don't. I, I'm not. I. But he, I'm let, not me, let me ask you this. Right? How much? Him. I think I agree with you. 
that it's not a question of I don't think it is a question of him trusting them and all of that. I'm just worried about I, I don't I don't think he the processing is there for him to I mean the guys that, that the guys who you you know big or power wings who you really see efficient offenses built around are seeing things two, three steps ahead. Right? So well, you have the athleticism of a guy like Paul George, but it's tough, man. I, I just don't I don't even know that he doesn't want to or he doesn't have that vision or sorry, he doesn't have the desire to be that. I just I don't know if he can. Well, I don't think I don't really and here's I this is this is the ultimate thing for me is I have never wanted Julius to be the guy that we like he's the guy we build around for the time being until we get a guy who is better, like who is flat because I don't think the ultimate contending version of the Knicks. I it was never my impression that it was going to happen with Julius as our best player, right? Um the question is can it even happen with him as a second or third best I I still think it can because I think that like that screening rolling game like when you see like you can see flashes of that when he gets a guard that actually knows how to use the screens and feed him and find space, I think you you can see that. And like you also need to have a more creative offense because like we're not being creative like Whatever I think about Fournier or Kemba, for that matter, I have a very, very hard time believing that, especially with Fournier, because with Kemba, it's a little bit more believable given his injury history and kind of, you know, his size and small guards as they get older. But like with Fournier, the guy was 60 true shooting for the last two years, okay? 60 true shooting for the last two years, scored like something like 18, 19 points per game. I have a very, very, very hard time believing that over the summer, a summer, by the way, where he was the best player for Team France at the Olympics, and they won this, what, they got the silver medal, pushed the U.S. in the gold game. Like, I have a very hard time believing that all of a sudden this guy just can't score, can't, like, like I watch I watch him play, and I'm like, he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And that, to me, also is about, like, everybody, nobody on this team looks like they have any idea what they're supposed to be doing, specifically in the starting group. You know, like, none of these guys look like they have any fucking idea of how they're supposed to play together. Um, and that is about coaching to me. And that is about creating a system that is, uh, that, that suits your personnel. Because right now it looks like we signed Fournier and we're like, be right. Like do the Reggie Bullock thing. And he's not Reggie Bullock. Like you didn't, if you signed Evan Fournier to just be a better offensive version of Reggie Bullock, um, you're not going to get the best out of him. And maybe the best out of him is still not good enough. I am, again, hands up. I'm I'm now, I'm open to the idea. I was completely wrong about it. And he actually is not better than Bullock specifically for this team anyway. But like, there's no way I believe that he's as useless as he's been. And then you can also see that indecision bear out. Like, you know, we talk about indecision with Julius. You see with 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 Fournier all the time. I see this. How many fucking times is this guy going to get a pump fake on an open three? Then take a like, which by the way, nobody falls for the pump fake, and then take a really shitty one dribble pull up going to his left. I swear he does that five times a game. Um, like we see this all the time with him, and that to me is about indecision. You see, like you know, uh, whoever the point, like when when Kembo is the point guard, when Burks is the point guard, these guys like they don't. It, it, there's no like flow or rhythm to what we're doing. I think RJ, um, you know, early in the season he was struggling to find his spots. I actually think the last few games since he kind of came back from his sickness or whatever, I thought he was a lot more decisive. Not not saying that he was particularly making the best decisions, but I think that there was a a change in the pecking order. It certainly seems like he's now the second option in that group, um, and Fournier has been demoted to a lower option. Um, but like that's another reason why, okay, fine. If you 
like, are you going to get the best out of him? And if not, maybe you move him to the bench. I just don't, I, I don't feel like we're playing very cohesive. And when you look at, you know, last year, one of the things that really stood out about the Knicks um, was how prepared they were game to game. They, everybody knew their roles, regardless of who the opposition star player was. It felt like we had a cohesive game plan defensively of how to defend them, how we were going to help off others. This year, it just looks like every, like nobody, it, we look so unprepared all the time especially on defense, but even offensively, there's no, like yesterday, DeMarcus Cousins comes in the game. We don't even fucking put him in, in the action, like for three straight possessions. DeMarcus Cousins cannot move. He cannot move anymore. He, like, I'm probably more, I probably have more lateral agility at this stage of my life than DeMarcus Cousins does, which is sad because I am a 5'8", unathletic Indian man who has like maybe a four-inch vertical. Um, but I have, but I have more lateral. I did not expect the word vertical there, by the way. Yes. Uh, thanks. Um, but like, you know, like these are like basic things. These are just like off the top of my head. Like, why is that not happening? Why, um, why do we, why does it feel like we go like every game, every fucking game, there are at least two stretches where for about six minutes, we can't get a, we can't get a bucket. And yes, we can sit there and say, well, Julius needs to shoot better. RJ needs to shoot better. All these, but we can say all of that. But like, as a coach, what is the last, I cannot remember the last time that Tibbs drew up a diagram play that just generated an easier look at the bucket for RJ or Randall. Like, I can't remember that. And I, I, that to me, I mean, you look at some of our after timeout plays, I have no fucking clue what goes on in the timeouts because these guys come out and they look like they didn't even draw up a play. Um, I just think it's unacceptable. And like, I'm not, I want to be very clear. I am not suggesting we should fire Tom Thibodeau. I think he deserved his coach of the year last year. I think he did a phenomenal job with that team. I don't think he's doing a good job with this team right now. And I don't think he's getting the most out of this talent. And I think a lot of the struggles that are, or that Randall and RJ for that matter, but Randall and Fournier are experiencing are down to the fact that it looks like they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And, and if that is the case, uh, I mean, that has to fall on the coach to some degree because I have a very hard time believing that, like, you know, I mean, what else can I take from that? If these guys don't know what they're supposed to be doing and there's all this indecision offensively in particular, I mean, how many fucking guys on a possession will pump fake an open shot and then pass it to somebody else who pump fakes an open shot and passes it to somebody else and then the possession is dead and then we have to take some really shitty ISO shot that fucking sucks ass. Like, how many times does that happen? How many times we go on these six-minute stretches where nobody can fucking score a basket? It's unacceptable to me, and I think that stuff, um, yeah, it, it, to me, it does come down to coaching. And especially the fact that I, I think we would all, I mean, me and you at least, I, I would say that we would agree that there, so a lot of coaching, uh, I mean, I know that there's been a lot of work done on this, but like, a lot of coaching, you know, strategies and fucking scheme and all this shit is great. But a lot of coaching is just about like playing the right players the right amount of minutes. And in that very, very simple, basic way, I don't think Tibbs has done a good job of that this year. And he certainly hasn't found the right groups. Yeah. Um, I think is it a Tibbs problem or a Randall problem is kind of um, what needs to be. And I think it, some of it could be chicken and egg. Um, you know, Tibbs may want to simplify the offense to avoid turnovers. Um, and I think that's what he did last year, right? Just put the ball in Julius's hand. Um, but this year, it, um, you know, it, it's, it, it caps the offense, right? That's kind of what it is. So you can get a guy like Fournier. Um, and I, I don't want to 
<laughs> I don't want to seem like I'm excusing his performance. Uh, the lack of energy has been galling at times. But, um, you know, if all I mean, you- Toronto game, I got to say, we, he, he deserves it. But 87-86, we played pretty fucking awesome defense. You force a miss from three. They got another rebound. Force another miss from three. And this sad sack of shit is just, he didn't even compete for the rebound. And then he makes the world's slowest, laziest, most worthless closeout on, I think it was Gary Trent that hit the three to put them up uh, at the end of that game. Yeah. I, that was unbelievable for me. I, I was pathetic. And yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you said lack of energy. And I, I had to, I, it's kind of, sometimes you'd like forget the Friday game when you watch the Sunday game. But when you said lack of energy, I mean, that was, it was, it was really embarrassing to watch that. But the flip side is this, right? Um, you know, that, but the reality is, whatever, did we need someone that wasn't Reggie Bullock? What you wanted some, what you want next to Randall right now is someone who can hit open threes off catch and shoot and play defense, right? Um, what Fournier gives you off the dribble handoff stuff, for a while it really looked interesting, interesting, but it hasn't come to fruition, right? What he can give you putting the ball on the floor or moving, um, that's just not what the Knicks starting offense is built around. Is that a Randall problem or, or a Tibbs problem? I don't know, but I'm willing to bet that if you moved – Fournier to the bench and had him play with Rose. Yep. And had him play next to Obi. He's going to look a lot better. Uh, he'll be I, I think, against worse defenders. I'm not just saying that, and, and I'm not then that part of that is his limitations. But uh, and then is that a t- if that's the case, then it yeah. I mean, it comes back to Randall again. That like, you know, you cannot play really dynamic offensive guys next to him, or, or you you can, but they just you know you, the sum is less than the parts. Well, I think I think it's more about the speed. Like, I think it's more about, and I'll, I'll, here's the other thing with Fournier, too. Fournier is, he's not taking shots that he should take. Like, he's just passing up a lot of shots. Like, all the same stuff with Julius in terms of passing up shots. He's passing up a ton of shots. He did it yesterday. Is And it's not just his, his scoring and usage that have gone down. His assist rate is down. I think he's a guy who, he, look, he played as the second, third option, maybe even first option kind of stuff um, on the Magic Pro. He was definitely their top perimeter guy on the magic for about what five six seven years however fucking long he was there um he got used to playing with the ball a lot and when you plays with team france he's the number one scoring option so he gets the ball a lot i think he needs more opportunities on the ball he needs more usage to find a rhythm i think he needs to feel like he is the top or second guy in a lineup to really have the comfort and confidence to just go hunt his shot and look to create. Um, that is almost counterintuitive because you're like, well, he's sucking. So why would you want him to create more? But I think he, that's the type of player he is. And I don't think he's just going to ever have that in the starting lineup because I think he's playing in a way where he's like very conscious of like, Oh, like, like him and Julius, I watch them. And I, I feel like I'm, they both are trying. They are not able to find the balance of like, well, I need to score but I also need to get other guys involved. And what ends up happening is they either take a lot of stupid shots or they end up like passing to nothing. They, they're not creating actual good offense for anybody. They're just kind of deferring. Um, and, and I just, I would, I, I don't think it's necessarily about guys can't play with Julius because I do think we have evidence of guys who can't play with Julius. Um, you know, we've seen at various points over the last couple of years, 
Rose play well with him. Burks, quickly, uh, RJ, whatever. We have evidence of guys that have played well with him. Hell, even Obi this year has played really well with him. Um, at least offensively. They have like 111.8 offensive rating in 170 possessions. Those two on the floor together. Um, I just, I, I just, I think that like with Fournier, he needs a change of scenery in terms of where he's coming from in the rotation. And um, yeah, to your point, like with Burke starting now and in this scenario, quickly starting that bench unit would have like, cause you know, we've talked about this before, right? Like with Rose Burks and IQ at times, it almost felt like overkill having those three play together. Um, but if you have two of them starting now, all of a sudden there's this kind of like whole bunch of usage that needs to get taken up. That would be a great place to put Fournier. And Grimes is, I think, a more scalable, like he can be a lower usage guy and be effective because of his play style. Um, but like all of a sudden, I think, yeah, like I agree with you. I think Rose, Fournier, and Obi together, like, you know, we we haven't seen any of that side pick and roll stuff with Fournier either that we saw early in the season with like him and Mitch, where he, he was, he dimed up Mitch a few times and I was like, wow, that's fucking great. Like this, this looks really good. I think he could do that with Obi and it'd be great. And I think that, um, his speed or lack thereof uh, would be less of an issue with that group because, yes, to your point, they'd be playing, you generally are playing against worse players coming off the bench, but also, like, they have a greater collective speed, so if Evan can just kind of, like, be the trailer effectively, that's okay, right? Because Rose and Obi and Grimes can be the guys that push it, push up the floor uh, initially, and then, you know, Evan can be a trailer uh, defensively. Yes. He, he's, I think he's just a problem regardless, but like it's less problematic off the bench. Right. Because again, to your point, you're playing worse players. Um, and look, let's be real. Part of this part of the NBA in general is you need to find ways to make guys look like attractive trade pieces. It's, I mean, do you think anybody's watching the starting lineup and like, Oh man, we need to get our hands on Fournier right now. I certainly don't. Um, so, I and I do think that if he came off the bench, all of a sudden he'd be like a very overqualified bench scorer um, and could thrive in that role. Yeah, and I mean, I think this has been brought up, but uh, the Hawks did this with Danilo Gallinari. Um, Kings know. doing with heels. Right, yeah. So this is not unprecedented. Um, but I, I really just think he fits the identity of that group more. Um, I also, that is what worries me also about moving Rose to the, like I think, a lot of the times when teams are like, well, he needs to be a star in his role. It's blow hard stuff. But with Rose, I actually think that's not that he wouldn't be able to have success against starters, but um, he, he gives that unit its identity. Uh, and if you just had quickly, I don't know if that they, they had the same round of success because Rose is just worse. The ability to, to go from zero to 60 and give yourself a transition possession, even off just a miss uh, or even off a make. Um, and then, you know, the ability to, like, if, if, if you know, the ability to find Obi down the court, right? Um, you know, if he's not playing with Obi Toppin, um, you know, he doesn't, he, you're, you're getting another thing out of his skill set. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think in general, um, you know, there's probably better roles for guys than you have. I think also another thing that would help Fournier is, um, you know, he, he, RJ Barrett's a good defender. But what the starting lineup really lacks is a guy that can, is a quick guy, right? A guy with some speed. Um, so Especially playing, point of attack, right? I mean, it's yeah. I think like Burks is a pretty good point of attack defender, but it's like you're stretching him. You're, you sign like 
we liked the contract because it's like, oh, that's like a good solid contract for a nice wing. But like you're paying him, you know, effectively $10 million a year for a reason. And that reason is because he's not supposed to be able to have to do everything. But now we're like, yeah, so run point, score like 15, 20 points a game. Make sure you hit a, hit some pull-up it's like that. It's like that video. And then uh, also defend the point of attack. Like, it's just fucking insane to expect that. It's like that meme where, like, they put a duct tape on, like, the spilling water bucket or whatever. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a massive cylinder of water, and there's a leak in it, and someone just slaps duct tape on it. So Alec Burks is, is the, the duct tape there, right? I think he can guard point of attack the same way people used to say Wilson Chandler could guard fours, which is, like, probably better than a lot of other options on the roster, but it's not ideal. And so what happens a lot with the starters is Fournier ends up having to guard a quicker player. Um, with the bench, uh, you know, especially if you give Grimes more minutes, uh, that can be alleviated, right? Because he gives you someone who can defend the point of attack, although I don't think he's quite at Quickly's level there. He's much better at chasing guys around screens. Um, Benji had a great thread today about just showing how how screen navigation is, is really almost an elite skill for uh, for Grimes. So that can also help, you know, that gives you more options to hide uh, Fournier than perhaps you have in the starting lineup. Yeah, I, I also think it's, I just found it really weird. Uh, after Because the Atlanta game, right, that was the first game, it wasn't official, right, but Kemba sat that game. Um, he was He rested or whatever it was. And Berman keeps trying to make this like a, like, like Tibbs was disgusted with him fucking resting and that's why he like benched him or whatever like i i find that kind of hard to believe um but i think it was really weird like grimes played pretty well in that and then from then he just was eliminated from the rotation and it was just like yeah actually no we don't need you um and like i I don't know that i found that really weird and i it was it becomes even more weird after yesterday's performance where he like he was great yesterday uh he was probably our best or second best player however you want to put it um and he played 40 minutes so it's like how can like i, I just tibbs is such a fucking bizarre coach because it's like he he i, I never understand his minutes half the time because people are like he hates young players and i i don't really get that from him i feel like he just has some very weird like holdups of what he expects from each guy and from each rotation spot and he has kind of preconceived notions of what everything should look like so that leads to weird decisions um but yeah i mean look grimes energy and everything about him that i saw that thread that benji put up the screen navigation the shooting all of it is just like they're all things that this team really needs right like if there's anything this team needs desperately it's just more energy consistently guys that play hard not just hard but like are active uh and that activity level tends to bring out higher activity from other guys right like that's what I think you see from Grimes. Um, and, um, you know, look, we've talked a lot about you. We, you mentioned the point guard earlier. Um, obviously, another guy who's been discussed plenty uh, is Miles Turner. Uh, I'll throw this out there. I think one of the reasons I would I, I would prioritize going for somebody like Miles Turner over trying to make like a Randall for Fox swap is I think Turner is... I think you know what you're getting with Miles Turner. Like, it's not a gamble. Like, you know what he can do. So even if you think the shooting isn't what he won't shoot this level, I think you at least know he can shoot the ball. Uh, He's obviously a very, very good rim protector. He is an elite rim protector. Um, 
which is obviously what Tibbs wants from the center position, right? Like whatever you can agree or disagree with Tibbs's kind of adherence to to what he expects from the position, but Turner definitely fits that defensively. I also buy that he's become a better box out guy, and that's the reason why Indiana is rebounding at a better level with him on the floor this year. Um, whereas the Bash, he was just a bad rebounder. His rebounding, individual rebounding hasn't ticked out, ticked up, but I think he's doing a better job of keeping guys off the glass and allowing others to grab rebounds. Um, I think the price for Turner is probably way less than it'd be for De'Aaron Fox also. And I also just want to see like what RJ and Randall can do when the opposition center isn't just standing there at the rim all the time. Because like maybe if, if Mitch gets gets his legs back and he's an offensive rebounding threat like he has been previously, offensive rebounding put back guy like he has been recent uh, previously, maybe that changes. But for right now, it just every goddamn time uh anybody it's not just rj randall any of these guys it feels like anytime they go inside with that starting lineup the center is just there be it if noel is starting if mitch is starting if Hodge is starting it doesn't matter they're just waiting there because they have no respect for what the Knicks centers are providing so, um, so but let me ask you this because i remember last year i think your take had often been that you know, going four out is overrated well um, so my my, my what i what my thinking is, is that there are actually very, very few centers who are good enough to justify going like the The spread you get from a center shooting threes is often overvalued because they don't actually have that type of gravity. Um, but watching the Pacers this year, I think miles actually has meaningful gravity now. And that changes the calculus a bit. Um, like, is he Brooke Lopez now? Because I know that sounds very unappealing to a lot of people, um, but I think like Brook Lopez, a uh, Brook Lopez for the next five years on this team as a starting center, um, and I think like I think I don't I I don't I don't know if you will find this controversial. Uh, I think Miles is a better <laughs> is a better defender than Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez is a pretty good defender, but I think Miles is definitely better. Um, if you can get a Brook Lopez for the next five years on this team, who is what do you is it fair to say he's a top five rim protector in the NBA? Um, I, I mean, I like think I would say top two at this point. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, want he's to not one, but um, <laughs> well, number, number one, one number one is Noel, right? <laughs> <laughs> number one is the guy who's too scared to guard Cat. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's not a dog. They're lucky know? that they they're lucky that they only won thirty by thirty points. Uh, if he had taken <laughs> taken on the challenge for Cat, who knows? Um, but yeah, like I I think that's what really changes the calculus for me. Um is is that he's shot the ball well and then not just seeing him shoot the ball well but then now you see how that's like how teams have to defend him because even when we, we when we played them the first game you remember a lot of us were like well why the fuck do we have mitch defending him because mitch can't move like that right now um and then since since then both times we've played them randall has actually defended him more than than mitch has so when i see that i'm like okay so so now you have teams that are putting their fours on miles. Um, so that would mean ostensibly that they would have their five on Julius and that changes things for me. Um, so that's just why you, you brought up a very fair point that I have previously said, I think, you know, stretch fives are overrated most. And, and I, that, I, I do think that I still stand by that, but I think they're overrated because the level of, 
you have to hit a certain level, right, as like a shooter for that to matter. And I think he's hitting that level now. And then obviously the fact that he's, you know, like you said, second best room protector in the NBA. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, again, this is why forever didn't weren't I mean, this is why forever Knicks fans were like, oh man, when we had Kristaps, we were like, man, him and Randall might be really good together. Um, you know, Miles is kind of like a version of that. Yeah, and and I mean beyond the Brook Lopez thing, which I think is a is a fair comp, uh, Miles is actually incredibly skilled uh, with the ball in his hands for someone that big, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you're seeing more of it this year because the shooting has been so good. Um, that's allowing him to put the ball on the floor. Um, I think Benji, you know, has been borrowing a lot from his threads, but one thing he's brought up a lot is forget the shooting and this the spacing, right? It's also on the short roll. Um, they ignore the bigs, right? The one player who has made some plays in the short roll is Todd Gibson. Um, Did you see Nerlens try to make a play off the short roll? Yep. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's sad to watch, right? Um, and Miles Turner, is not, you cannot like, give him a free run. If, he give, if you give him a 4-3, he's very, very dangerous, which there's, I mean, you could count. But, I mean, when people are excited about guys like Bam, and Evan Mobley, that's why. I'm not saying Turner is on their level, but for a big, he's very, very good with the ball in his hands in that situation. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, you know, he said he wants a higher usage. I think he could get it here. I think the long-term question would be, do you want to build a team or, you know, that's so focused on the front court, you know? Um, but they do have complementary strengths. So, uh, you know, where one is, you know, Turner can cover up for Randall's lack of rim protection. Uh, ideally, you'd never have to play Julius Randle and drop again if you have Miles Turner behind him. Um, so I'm watching I'm pretty... Julius play drop is actually like, I hate it because he's on my team. But if I was another team, I'd probably find it absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it's I mean it, him and Obi actually Obi's not going <laughs> to drop. Um, so uh, more like the drop it like it's hot defense. So um, <laughs> it, I, th- I think it's pretty much a no brainer with Turner. The question is, you know, if you talk to people. Outside the Knicks fan base, most of them are like, nah, you need to give up one of your three young guys. And by that, I mean IQOB or RJ, which I would say no to. But um, if we could do it with Grimes? What? Would you have Grimes for him? I probably would, although yesterday is definitely making me reconsider that. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, here's here's my pushback. I would rather give up another pick than Grimes. I would rather give up. I, would, I will say this. If you told me the Knicks could get Miles, but they would have to give up one of IQ, OB, or Grimes in addition to a first. Or they could deal three first-round picks for Miles. I would rather trade three first-round picks for Miles. Like, I just would. Because I think the guys that they... Like, IQ and OB are good players. They're Right now, they're already good players in the NBA. I think Grimes is going to be a good player in the NBA. Um, I think we already saw evidence of that yesterday, right? Um, I value that way more than I give a shit about picks. Especially like, like you know, we see this all the time, right? Where teams, um, like, oh, the Dallas pick. Oh, the Charlotte first. Like, when you make trades, a lot of times they're, you want to make sure the optics are good, right? So if you're Indiana, you can if you if the Knicks are like, look, we'll give you those two picks, and then we'll give you one of our first, which will be like, you know, let's say it's this year's pick, we'll protect it like top five, whatever it is. They can like that all of a sudden, like, well, we got three firsts from Miles Turner, right? Like, oh wow, we got three firsts from Miles Turner, but it's like, you know, what is the actual value of those picks is different. And for me, I look at that Dallas pick, I look at that Charlotte pick, 
those are picks that I I don't want the Knicks to hold on to those picks. I want them to use it to upgrade the roster. And if you can trade two first or three, whatever the fuck it is, for Miles Turner and hold on to your young guys, I would do that. I would 100% do that. I'd also say this. I also, like, the Knicks have IQ. They have Deuce McBride. They have the rights to Rokas, Yokobitis. Um, I, IQ for me is just somebody I'm not trading for a player on the level of Miles Turner as good as he is. Like, if I'm trading IQ, it needs to be as part of a package for a higher caliber, like a, a real all-star. You know, Miles Turner, as good as he, he's not an all-star. And he's not going to be an all-star this year. And if he's lucky, he might make an all-star team or two in his career. Um, so I'm not interested. I'm not trading IQ for that level of player. Um, I know that you're really high on McBride. Again, I have not watched. I him would trade all. McBride for Turner personally. That's yeah, like idea. that's kind of where I'm going with it. Like, I think if you're the Knicks, you can be like, look, we're not going to give you Grimes or IQ or Obi, but we'll give you those two first, and we'll give you Deuce, or we'll give you. So you'd rather Deuce. give up Deuce than Grimes? Is what you're saying? Yeah, especially for this team, just given like the dearth of wings we have, and the fact I, I also I was talking about this with Prez, but like I, I really like what I have seen from McBride, but I feel like his development path is probably longer than to to be like the version of himself that you hope he can become. I think it's longer than what like Grant like we saw it with Grimes yesterday, right? Like he's already a guy you could probably be like, yeah, three and D wing cool plug and play like he's already there and then maybe he can add like i mean i know his passing or whatever like ball handling it's not like super high caliber but it's pretty okay for a wing and maybe he can improve obviously he was like a top point guard prospect at one point i don't think he's gonna ever be a point guard in the nba i'm not suggesting that i'm just saying that there's probably some passing and ball handling chops there um that can develop as time goes on so like and I, 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 when I watch what I've, what I've seen from Rokas, uh, is a guy who feels like a more natural downhill attacking player than McBride and McBride, and that's not to say McBride can't do it because you've, uh, you've also, I mean, look, you've pointed this out several times where like some of his, um, lack of dribble penetration might be more of a mental adjustment he needs to make versus actual physical limitations he was also in i mean he was in a horribly spaced offense and right we got to run pick and roll um, right right West Virginia, so right so that like there's obviously a reason like you like i said you've made good arguments for like why there are reasons for that um but i just feel like his development uh as kind of like what he needs to be to be a, a lead guard type of player that is a longer path, and he's on a shorter contract than than Grimes, and he's also already a year into that contract, unlike Rokas, who is just hanging out overseas, developing on somebody else's dime, which is wonderful, by the way. Uh, and he's playing really well, apparently. Uh, shout out Ursan De- is it Ursan Demir De- Demir Demir. Yeah, he always uh, he, he's always got uh, the the <laughs> the Rokas updates for uh, Nick's Twitter if you want to check those out. Um, so. That's ju- that's just my thinking of like, if I feel like that's a trade you can make, and I do think Indiana is going to trade him because uh, that interview he gave. I don't think you give an interview like that, and I don't think Indiana leaks the stuff they leaked about like they want to you know rebuild but not or retool but not rebuild. I think they're going to trade him. Sabonis is a better player. Um, like he just is a better player. He was one player of the week, by the way. Um, 
And yeah, if you can get two firsts and a prospect for for Miles, I feel like that's a trade that, that just gets made. And, you know, people have said Charlotte could be a factor. Charlotte drafted Kai Jones um, with, with the pick that they traded to us, um, right? They they traded, what was that, the 19th pick, I think he got picked with? Um, and they traded a future first to get that pick to us. Um, they also have just not, sh- like, they're going to have to pay Miles after this year. Do you think it's fair to say Miles is probably a max player at this point? Uh, Turner? No, no, uh, Miles, their Miles, Charlotte Miles. Bridges. Oh, uh, huh. It, I could see him getting like four for a hundred, like a little bit below the max. So, um, but like the guys who've gotten max are like Ingram, right? Is he as good a, as Brandon Ingram? He's right now, he's averaging this year, uh, 20.3.7.2 rebounds, three and a half assists. 47, 33, 77 splits from the field, and he's got a true shooting of 57. So I don't know what to make of all of that. Uh, he's been a significant on-court plus, on-court plus 2.7, on-off plus 11.6. I feel like, okay, so let's just say 400. So they're going to pay him to some degree. They already extended Rogier again before the season, so he's getting a pay bump next year. Hayward is Hayward's contract is Hayward's contract. Um, the the Lamelo extension is right down the line. Right, they're gonna have to extend him after next year, probably. Just give him the rookie designated max because he's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, he, you, he's a, he's already a max for sure. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, like I just don't see them going for miles and then having to pay him in a year. You know, like you know, we we have like, are they really gonna do that? And they've kind of shown that they don't. I don't think that they value the five position as a position they need to pay a premium for whereas the knicks have shown i think that they they do value that position greatly and i think they would like to get a guy that they can just stick in there and have at the position for the foreseeable future a couple other things that are worth noting with miles he is from the dallas area and him and julius uh worked out together this offseason repeatedly uh a lot i think they're good buddies and uh, guess who has the same agent as Miles Turner? Julius, R.J. Barrett, who the Knicks could have a very tricky extension discussion looming in the future. Uh, it might be a good idea to get a fellow client on board and um, start greasing the wheels for that. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's going to happen. That's that's my hot take. I think the Knicks will trade for Miles Turner, and I don't think that they'll have to give up IQ or OB at the very least to get it done. Yeah. Um, oh, you did, well, you didn't or RJ, I imagine. You mean, right? Well, yeah, that's they're not going to trade RJ for Miles Turner. Or yeah, if yeah. RJ gets traded, it's definitely going to be as part of a bigger deal. Do you, Do you think um, RJ is still the Knicks' best young asset, or would you put yeah, OB or, or no? I still think it's RJ because. We like you know whether right or wrong that third pick pedigree always goes a long way, and I still believe in him. I know he had a really shitty stretch for a while. I kind of buy, I I kind of buy the the sickness thing because like it wasn't just that he was shooting poorly, right? Like his energy level dropped so low for a long time. Like you remember that Charlotte game where he just couldn't move, like he just couldn't defend anybody and just kept getting destroyed by like basic curls. Actually, yeah. Like I, I just like I actually do buy that, and I I know that's it's a cop out, but like I don't know, like the the things that he was struggling at, it wasn't just shooting and finishing, it was that stuff which is like, 
you know, if there's anything you could say about RJ, it's that through his career, he's shown like his, his uh, endurance and just ability to like stay at a high level physically for 30, 35, 40 minutes in a game has never really been in question. And for about a month, it looked like he couldn't, he just couldn't run and like, couldn't like, he couldn't fucking physically function. So uh, I do buy that with him, and I think the, the jump is coming. I'm really annoyed that Randall's three rimmed out against the Raptors because that was such a great play by RJ. That was such a fucking great play by him. Um, drove in transition, drew the defense, and didn't force the bullshit layup that was about to get swatted if he went up with it and created probably the best look you can get in that moment, right, um, for Randall to win the game. Like, I, I was, I wish that had gone in because that was – he struggled for long parts of that game, but I thought in the fourth quarter he was just fucking awesome. He he was just so good offensively and just showed a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm still a big RJ believer, and yeah, I I do think he's still probably the next. I not think I think I he is the next best asset. Um, probably in a lot a lot of reasons because we haven't played IQ and Obi more because I do think if we played them more, or started them even, uh, it might be a much more interesting conversation, especially with Obi, especially with Obi. Yeah, I think they're all in the same tier for me. Um, I think the third pick pedigree is is fair. I'm higher than R- I think I've kind of stayed within a pretty similar range with RJ. Uh, my feeling has always been like, um, you know, he's probably closer, ends up being more of closer to a one to two time all star than a four to five time all star, which I think is still a really good outcome. But I've thought of him more as a good fringe great player than a true star. Um, which is still probably he probably still has a higher likelihood of reaching a star outcome than IQ or, or Obi, but I would put them all in the same. Uh, I actually have a hot take. I think Obi might have a higher. Like I don't higher know. Potential, if, yeah, yeah, like because it's it's hard, right, for fours because like just kind of like the things you need to do. Obviously, um, the piece you wrote last year about which was totally about Obi and not about Poku. Uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, I, I think a lot of that stuff still stands, right? Like the things that you need to do at that position, it's harder to reach that star outcome. Um, so like, I, I agree with that. But I, I, so I think it's harder for Obi to be a solid starting four. Like his likelihood of just being that is probably lower. It's lower than it is for RJ to be a solid starting wing. Um, but the star potential is probably i think it's higher for sure because like i mean dude i i like as much as often as i see it his it's it's not his vertical that gets me it's like he just fucking like floats through the air and his second jump is insane like his second jump is just bananas i i, I just some of the stuff he can do around the rim it's like is, when he yeah. they know he wants a dunk on them so yeah like he kind of floats in the air um, and like his move where he'll go up and then he can kind of just wait for the defender to come go down and go around him. Um, yeah, honestly, this is probably a bold, this is a very bold take. And I'm not saying Obi has anything close to this level of a ceiling. He's better than Amari Sotomayor. Are we going there? And so Amari, I think is a good comp of like his kind of acrobatics in the air, but at times it reminds me of Michael Jordan and the way he would just get up and then just wait for defenders to go down. Uh, and so, like, I heard it here first guys. Stacy thinks that Ob is better than Michael Jordan. No, but I am reminded of, of acrobatic yeah, players yeah. like that. Like if you watch old Julius Irving film, uh, yeah. where in terms of that vertical ability and body control, he's a 99th percentile type guy in the NBA. Uh, 
and then you add the ball skills, the passing, uh, and the motor. It's, I mean, and it's tough to believe he won't shoot, man. Like, uh, I know I, I, I think he my... needs LASIK. I'm 100% convinced he needs Because his form isn't, his form looks better than like Frank, right? Remember all those years when Frank would have those slow ass releases? Okay. And let's, let's calm down. Here, <laughs> no, okay? because I'm trying to, I'm trying to, because I, I believed in Frank Milikina, the shooter. And, uh, and, but you look at Obi and it's like his form looks fine. It's a quick release. He generally seems to release with confidence. And it seems like online. And he just doesn't make them. But if he did, I mean, if he ends up being 30s, mid 30s from three, on top of all of that, that's a hyper efficient offensive player. Um, and then, you know, if he, if his motor and, and kind of length and athletic ability allows him to be, you know, better than Amari on defense. Yeah, I mean, I think his defense is, I know this is fucking crazy to say, but like, we watched Amari for a lot of years. I think his defense is already. Yeah, Amari just didn't give a shit. <laughs> I, don't even, I, I, I don't even know. I don't know if it was like, I don't think he really ever processed the game well defensively. Like, kind of, it was just, it never seemed like an effort thing with Amari. It just always looked like he literally didn't know what the fuck he was supposed to do on defense. And then on offense, you're like, but you're like a fucking savant. Like, what? Like, how, how is this? But I guess even on offense, like, he was not much of a passer ever, right? He was, he was just such a great scorer. Um, That's, yeah. So I'd say Obi's feel on both ends is significantly better than Omari. Yeah, and I think, like, the ball skills, like, you bring it up, I mean, you know, this is, like, I know, I remember you had asked me something about Obi, and, like, I think you had asked me if I thought he was, I forgot, we were trying to make, it was some, like, cross-sports thing, and I was like, actually, you know, he reminds me of Josh Allen more than, like, if I'm if I was going to make a cross-sports analogy, and I, it was because they both had, like, very weird paths to get to the top level of their sports, and both had people like us uh a lot of people were skeptical of them right in their draft classes like josh was seen as very much like a tools guy who had i mean he was a tools guy like he had to put a put a lot of shit together and obi was seen as like okay well he's this awesome athletic specimen dominating mid-majors but like you know in the nba everybody's athletic so can he can he can can that translate uh and i thought they both had like you know they had both come from smaller schools who had transferred and then kind of found their way up. Like, I think Obi was kind of a pretty toolsy player, but he had more refinement uh, than, you know, and I think you even brought that up then. Like, yeah, no, like the passing is real. Like he can really pass the ball. Um, And we haven't even leaned into that a ton yet because we haven't used him on like high pick and roll, short roll in the middle of the floor a ton. But like, yeah, I mean, I think you can see that the DHO stuff with him. Sometimes he's a little too casual with it, but like he's always pretty good in those DHO moments, uh, and he's active about it. Yeah, like I don't know, like the star potential with him, uh, it, it is there. Like I, I don't know, it, it sounds I mean, crazy. Reminds me a lot it. of Jonas Collins. I mean, I think that was a comp. I think a lot of people had before the draft. Uh, uh, people that were comparing him to Jason Tatum. That is, and um, did somebody compare him to Jason Tatum? uh a certain um oh yeah it was okay all right it was msr (laughs) (laughs) i believe it was him uh it might have been someone else um but i don't even like they don't even play anything alike that's so embarrassed right sorry go ahead um so but collins i think is a guy who always and that was also collins has improved as a defender and obi still has a ways to go there when i say this i don't think I don't mean to say that Obi has solved his problems, but it's still better than I expected his defense to be. Um, well, he's not like an active detriment at all. 
Like yeah, he's he he can be like he's obviously not. He, he does. There are limitations he has. So he right. struggles to get over screens, which I think if you're putting Obi top in a position like there aren't a whole lot of fours that are great screen navigators, right? He's not going to be Jeremy Grant. Oh well, um, you know. And then you so he struggles with that. Um, you know, shifting direction when he has to help and then close out on a three. He's not great at that, but his effort makes and up for like, a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but you still like you've seen Tibbs get mad where you know when he gets out of the game, it's usually because you know he was late closing out for a three. And I don't rebounding. think that's rebounding is a big one. That's like what he's brought up consistently this year with Ovi. Every time he's asked about it, he's always like, It's gotta rebound the ball, it's gotta rebound the ball, gotta rebound the ball. I don't think it's a coincidence that he played the most minutes. I think he played the most minutes he has this year against Toronto. And I know that we were a little bit shorthanded that game, but like I also think it's because he rebounded the ball really well that game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm pretty high on his ceiling. Uh, I think quickly is still. I mean, quick like it's. There's one big development for I think all three of them that takes their trajectory to another level. So for Obi, uh, I think the most important thing is his jump shot. Uh, I think you would live with even subpar defense, even him as a four, because I think he would really be an elite offensive player because the jump shot will allow him to get involved more as a creator. Uh, it'll unlock more of his passing game. Uh, I, I think that's all he needs. I mean, if he if he can shoot, man, like I this is like, I'm sorry to go back to it, but like th- that's why watching that Toronto game when he took Obi out, people were like, I can't believe he's taking Obi out. I don't think it's because he thought Obi was playing badly. I just think he was like, well, they're leaving Obi open, and we just need guys to like to make threes right now. Like we just need that to open up the floor. Um, and, and so I think that's why I pulled him. But like you could see that holy shit, if Obi can actually hit these shots. How the fuck do you defend like him and Julius together? It would become pretty awesome to watch those guys play together. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. Um, and uh, so yeah, like with Obi, um, he's a thirty-six, thirty-seven percent hit the open ones. I don't need him taking pull-ups or anything like that. If they have to close out hard on Obi Toppin, they don't close out on him, and he still gets to the bucket even when like they give him a runway. Um, so that he's just going to be, I don't even think he needs to really have that, you know, that all the, yeah, he doesn't need Jason Tatum skill set because he's going to, he's going to get, he, he just has a nose for scoring with quickly. I think the big thing is, um, improving handle, uh, people focus on the actual rim finishing, but I think a bigger issue is that, so when he's able to keep his dribble, he's able to kind of play those like cat and mouse games with bigs. And I actually like where his touch has gotten. He's never going to be an over-the-rim finisher, but you're starting to see some of those Tony Parker, Steve Nash finishes. The bigger problem is when he has to pick up his dribble. Um, so just, it's not even about improving handle because his handle has gotten tighter, but it's being able to keep it in traffic. Uh, I think that, quickly, right? Yeah, quickly. But it's it's especially when he goes left. He 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 like it's it's what I would like. You brought this up when we we're talking about putting him in the starting lineup, but it's like th- those are ones where. I'm okay if at the stage of his development he's not comfortable like finishing going to his left, but he just needs to pick he needs to keep his dribble alive and then just bring the ball out and and reset or give it to somebody else. Like he he can't pick the ball up and then spin around and then we waste like 10 seconds with him trying to find somebody to give the ball to. And I think again it, like I and I've seen him on those possessions. I've seen him flash a hezzy, right? Where the guy mm-hmm. has some beat. Uh like Steph is masterful at this. Chris Paul is great at this, right? But it comes down to I'm comfortable keeping my dribble alive here. And that's where he's still on the point guard level. He's still a B, B plus in terms of handle. He's not elite, which getting to that level with his speed and shooting ability, that takes him to that kind of a ceiling. 
And then with RJ, it's really about finishing. Um, I don't, I'm not as down on his jump shot as a lot of people have been. Uh, I think he'll be a good defender. I think he's a good rebounder for his position. I actually think the last couple of games, um, you know, I think when we haven't had RJ, the rebounding has been, uh, has shown, um, catastrophically bad. Yeah. And I think RJ is a big (laughs) part of that, but, um, but, and you can see like Alec Burks has really improved his defense, but he's a, he's bad rebounder. Uh, he's a shooting guard. It's fine. But, uh, but that's what RJ gives you. Um, but if RJ can become someone who can get to the line more and can finish more ex- um, efficiently, right? And I think that comes down to fixing his gather, where he gathers too early, and, and those kind of technique things. I don't think it's like an athleticism question or anything. But if he fixes his technique there, that makes him the kind of rim scorer we thought he was in college. Add in the three-point shooting and then the passing, and then that gives you... That is what we're talking now about, that Jalen Brown-type outcome, as opposed mm-hmm. to just a third or fourth option that's the difference between him ending up like harrison barnes or something like that um versus him ending up as like a you know multiple time all-star yeah um i I tend to agree with that and um that's why i like as shit as the season has been i'm like i'm like really i don't know if any fan base leans into misery quite like knicks fans do um we have a good reason we have a very good reasons to do that um but like like this is not there's a difference between sucking this year and being like hopeless and feeling like nothing good is ever going to happen because i feel like even admit amidst the shit of the season we are seeing really good things that bode well for the future uh you know quickly ob obviously come to mind i think rj has shown flashes like sometimes the con- the consistency is not there yet with rj but you know, the fact that he's had had two 30-point games this year after I think he had one over his first two seasons in the entire league. Um, you know, to have two 30-point games this year bodes well. To have multiple 20-point games, like he had, what, a five-game stretch where he hit 20-plus. Um, that bodes well. Like, some of scoring, the cons- consistency is hard, but you want to see that explosiveness. Like, we've seen that from, from quickly, right? He had a 31-point game as a rookie. You want to see that explosiveness from guys. And I think for RJ to have had uh, games showing that explosiveness is really promising and good for his development. Um, yeah, and even, even, you know, not to bring him up, but it felt like such a weight off Knicks fans' shoulders when KP finally got that 30-point game. So I think mm-hmm. he went his first two seasons without one, and he'd gotten 29 a couple of times. And then after the first 30-point game, I think there were a few 30, mid-30s games. I think he had 40. He had a 40, yeah, he had a 40. Um, that's like kind of, and that's what I think, you know, I'd like to see RJ be able to do that more frequently without needing to go seven for eight for three. Um, and that, but that's why, and that's why earlier this year when everyone was like, he's playing that he's going to be an all-star. I was a little more tempered because I was like, I want to see him improve his game around the rim. Cause that's really where he has the highest potential. And it's really where he's, he's artificially, I don't want to say artificially held back, but it's almost like, well, that's the, where you the, need his technique is. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like running up a hill with a big weight. Like, his technique is holding back something he should be great at. Um, and I think that's where, uh, and that's what's fresh. Because I think I would have liked to have seen him a little bit further along. You know, he's young. But uh, that's because that's been a persistent problem since Duke. And uh, But if he fixes that, um, and I mean, I'm not accusing his work ethic or anything. But it's just something I would have liked to see him improve more. He's improved his shooting. Uh, the free throw shooting, I think, was really good. Um, you know, his passing and his vision and his feel, I think, has been better. 
um, I think it'd be fun. So I think you look at those three young guys, um, then, you know, if that's the thing, right? So if I could turn Randall and Fournier and some of the vets into like Turner and Fox and keep those three guys, I would do that. But I think in general, you're getting back to this, right? Um, you know, what do you think the, let's, let's touch on this because I think this has been talked about quite a bit more recently. Is there an argument for tanking, not tanking, but, uh, you know, reloading and dumping for assets and, you know, just building around three of those guys? Um, yeah, I think there's an argument for it. I wouldn't do it. I, I, like, I, I just feel like that's, um, I, it's really hard to get back on board with tanking after the season they had last year. And I know that some people will be like, well, look, they were a 500 team and then just went on this run at the end of the year. And that's really the difference. Like, sure. I get that. But it, it feels like, like as soon as you hit an obstacle, I don't like the idea of like, Oh my God, we're 12 and 15 now. Let's just, you know, lean back into the tank. Like, yes, there's an argument for it though. I don't think it's unreasonable, even though I wouldn't go that way. And I, would hope the Knicks don't go that way. But yeah, I think there's an argument that... You know what they remind me a little bit of, or it seems like? Uh, when Masada Ujiri first took over the Raptors, mm-hmm. his plan was to tear it down and tank. I fundamentally believe that when Leon Rose first got here, they were going to find somewhere to send Julius. Yeah, um, I don't think you... Like, let's be real. I don't think you take Obi just because... Yeah. Like, like we, we, can, we can be completely honest about this. Um, so now they've been in a situation, and that's what Masai Ujiri has talked about this, where Kyle Lowry overperformed. They were going to trade him, right? And then Ujiri was in the situation. They had a deal done. They just pulled the plug. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I think there was like a posting and toasting meetup like right around that time as well. <laughs> People were talking about it. Um, so I think the Knicks are a little bit, and, that's, and Ujiri ended up rolling with it, but that wasn't his plan. And the Knicks are in a situation where do you roll with it? Um, and I think that what I keep coming back to is, um, you know, it, it's the thing like where Charlotte, you'd said, doesn't want to spend money on a big, right? Well, yeah, but what are the two most important positions, right? Um, I, let's put it like, I don't want to say that, but I'm saying this. If you have a franchise wing and a franchise point guard, you can skimp on, on, the, um, on, on the big position, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Here's the thing. You, now, people will say, well, look at all the bigs that are great. Look at Giannis. Look at Embiid, right? Like, the bigs are coming back. And I don't disagree with that. Um, but they have to be that level if you build your offense around them, if they're your best. Like, you can't it's, – it's much more difficult to do the opposite uh, where you say, you know, we have a franchise four in Julius Randle and, like, a big and even Miles Turner, and now we can just get just a guy at the point guard position. You can do that if you have Giannis. Um and but hell, even, even them, then, right? They get to do it. You like they got they had to they had to risk it all to get Drew Holiday. I mean, it, yeah. it panned out, but like even then, you can't do it. Like yeah, even you, the Nuggets have you know Murray and all that, right? So yeah, I mean, like you need you need to get a a legit point guard, regardless. Like it doesn't matter. Even LeBron, you know, yes, LeBron's amazing, but look, he played with Dwayne Wade. Yes, he wasn't a point guard, but he was a lead guard. However, the fuck you want to parse it. Uh, he won with Kyrie Irving. Like the Lakers team that they won with was very weird. So shout out to LeBron for winning that one. But like, even LeBron has needed a point guard, right? Like it, it is very, very hard to not to win without that. Um, I, yeah. I guess, so, so I guess the the question, the yeah, the thing with the Knicks is, uh, like having Randall cannot, like you cannot 
That's in yeah. So like, I just wonder, can you build an offense or build a team? A, he does need a good point guard, but also like, even then, all of those guys that are built around the big, it's a different level. So um, I would say like the thing the the way for for me to think about it though is like, if you get a good point guard, that elevates everybody, and then you can trade from a position of strength. Whereas I feel like if you trade Julius right now, you're not trading him from a position of strength. And then to get the type of point guard or caliber of point guard you need is very hard. And I like it's more that that to me feels like a more backwards way of going about it, if that makes sense. Um, but here uh, is something that uh, our our editor, Paul Dorsa, uh, wanted me to bring up. So I'm going to bring this up. Here's what he asked. Uh, what hypothetical trade do you think would work for Simmons, Ben Simmons, uh, who, according to Shams Charania, uh, oh, the come Knicks... on, Charania. You, ang- you anglicized the shit out of that. Charania. 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 Uh, there we go. He, he basically tweeted, not tweeted out, he wrote an article today that there's like seven teams in the NBA, like the Knicks, the Timberwolves, the Lakers, who somehow have things uh whatever it was like seven teams that have interest that registered interest in ben simmons begley confirmed it um but that also in the same sentence was like there's no traction uh that he is not sure if philly has any traction so to me that just read like (laughs) philly is trying to drum up some market for ben simmons that doesn't exist really uh but here's the question he asked what hypothetical trade do you think would work for Ben Simmons? And is there any way you could trade for him without RJ or Randall in the package? Like, could a trade around Fournier, Burks, and OB with three picks be enough? Uh, and then he went on to say this. I was thinking anyway this lineup could be a possibility. Uh, quickly, Barrett, Simmons, Randall, and Turner, Miles Turner, uh, trade Mitch, Noel, Burks, OB, Fournier. And basically you trade everything, but uh, quickly, and everybody else goes. So RJ and Obi are gone. RJ's there, but so Obi's you have, gone. Obi's gone, and you still have Randall. Yes. To put it bluntly, uh, those who've been listening for the last two hours, I would rather keep Obi than Randall. Um, <laughs> I also don't know if the salaries work on that. Do they? I mean, what if we're not sending out Randall and we're taking on Turner and um, Turner and Simmons? Like the math doesn't seem to check out. Yeah, I don't think I think he was more asking uh, if yeah. there's a possibility. I, I think the first part of it is more interesting. Like, would I don't think there's any. First of all, I'll, I'll be I'll be totally blunt and honest here. I think the I don't think the Knicks are going to trade for Ben Simmons. I don't think they have anything that Philly would want in return for Ben Simmons, unless it was a bunch of picks, and then they immediately were able to parlay those picks to get. Damian Lillard or something. Um, I just don't see any package that they would be interested in because they're pretty focused on trying to win a championship right now. And even if they love RJ Barrett, like, do you want to give, do you want to trade Simmons for RJ and salary filler and picks in a, for a team that is ostensibly in a contention window right now? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. That doesn't seem to be what Maury is targeting in a, in any Ben Simmons trade. Um, so I, I just don't think there's any way for the Knicks to acquire Ben Simmons. Uh, but like as a pure, just kind of value of the package would, 
let's say Fournier, would Fournier Burks, OB, three picks. Like, I guess here, like, here's a better way to put it. What does a, what does Fournier Burks, three first, and OB, what caliber of player does that get you? That's something to consider. Um, because that gets you to around like 30 million in outgoing salaries. So you can, you can basically arrange for a match. Just if you if you put together a package of like Fournier, Burks, OB, and let's just say three unprotected first, just just because I would like to know what I, I'm curious to know, like what people think a package like that would would return. I, I have no idea. Who would want that first of all? Who does that actually help? Contender, I think it would be a contender, right? Because you, you're taking on Fournier and Burks. Um, it's probably a team that um, is not going to make a ton of more improvements. Um, I mean. It's a team that would probably want the picks and the ability to get younger, um, but about, like, like, but still would want to compete. And the only team that I can think of that I'm like the team that comes to mind that this might work for is Portland. Yeah, for, so Portland is interesting. Uh, I think Omar brought, but this wouldn't be enough for Dame. I don't think. Who knows though? Maybe no. he's on value at this point. Somebody brought this up. I think it might have been Omar in the Discord. Somebody brought it up. I, I if I fucked up who brought it up, I apologize. Um, but like, what? Portland's in an interesting position, right? Because they have Dame. They've outwardly said they don't want to trade him. We also know at this point that Dame wanted significant changes to be made. He wanted them to make a move for somebody. Blah blah blah. Um. I oh sorry. This is who brought it up. Jeremy Cohen, uh, that fucking loser. Um, you, you mentioned this in nerd, yeah, nerd. Uh, in in a DM with me, like, wouldn't they be a sneaky like? They might they might want to trade for Randall spot, like, like that. That's not insane, right? Because if you if they don't have anything that interests Philly aside from Dame for Ben Simmons, and they don't want to trade Dame, then... It's CJ. Well, what do you mean, it's CJ? CJ would be the guy that they'd be trading, right? So so here's where... Like, would you do that? I actually... I, I've gone back and forth on this, um, and I, I don't think CJ is like some amazing, awesome guard... But I do think it's interesting to note that he's based, I think he's averaged something like 25 and 6 in games in his career without Damian Lillard. I I think the efficiency, I know he hasn't shot the ball well this year overall, but he's still shooting like 39% from 3. I think I think his true shooting percentage will come back up to where it normally is. And this has been a guy who's hit tough shots and created separation against elite defenders his whole career, right? And so there's a game, long track record. Yeah, and the way he creates separation isn't something I'd be concerned. Like he's thirty, I'm not like, oh my god, he's gonna fall off the. So it's a, it's a lot of guile, right? So yeah, and here's the other thing about him. His contract goes through twenty twenty three twenty four, so it's two more years after this one. It's thirty million this. It's thirty point eight this year, thirty three point three the following year, and thirty five point eight uh, in twenty twenty three twenty four. Um, if you were to trade Julius for him, Julius is 21.7 right now, and then 26, 28, 30, 32 after that. Like, is is Julius and fucking Burks or Nerlens or whatever, just 
pick a salary. Um, probably not Rose because I think Tibbs would literally have a seizure if they traded Derrick Rose. Um, like, is that? I mean, that might be worth considering actually, because to your point, like whatever I think about CJ McCollum, and I think he's super corny on Twitter, his podcast, and all this kind of shit, but like irrelevant to the point. My concerns with De'Aaron Fox are different than whatever my issues are with CJ, because I think CJ has a long track record of being a damn good player. Uh, is he an all-star? No, he's not. Proof too, I would say, for the most part. So, Well, he can score the ball. And like, here's the thing. I, and this is something that a lot of people have brought but I mean, up. There are, sorry, there are guys who can score the ball. And then I actually, right now, I think he's going to make everyone eat these words or these narratives. But for most of his career, a guy like DeRozan, really struggled in the playoffs right cj has been a guy for most of his career who hasn't who has still had some huge performances when when it is really tough to score and like the truly special scorers stand out on that stage and i think this year DeRozan will too by the way but yeah go ahead sir i will not admit defeat on that so i'm (laughs) outcome um but no he's been awesome this year and he's making people like me and many others look like fucking idiots so shout out to mar DeRozan. go fuck yourself um but, like, the, the, another thing people brought up is, yes, as good as Quickly has played, Rose has played, Brooks has played at times, like, it's not consistent game to game, right? These are not guys that you can just pencil in, like, they're not averaging 22 points per game, right? They're just not. Getting a guy like McCollum at the guard position, you can pencil him in if he's your starting point guard, whatever, he's going to get you 20-plus points per game, 100%. You're going to get that from him. You're probably going to get five or six assists. The defense isn't going to be great. Who cares? The next defense has been fucking atrocious all year. Um, I don't think he could make it worse. I feel like that... Now, that's a move I think both teams would consider. And I think it's a trade that both teams could potentially benefit from. What are your thoughts on that? A trade Randall for CJ? Yeah, I don't think it needs to involve picks either way either. I don't think it would, quite frankly. Um, hmm. and now you have opened up the. the but the who connection. should who will it require quick picks from? I I think there's an argument that from the the Knicks, we're trading a 27 year old who is just second team All NBA, um, makes uh you know on a good deal. Uh, so I I might want to pick that from Portland. So like, look, don't don't harp so much. like, forget you know yeah sure maybe they would have to give for whatever it is. But let's just say tomorrow or, you know, fucking whatever, whenever Julius can be traded. I don't know if it's December 15th. I'll fucking ask uh, Jeremy and he can give me the exact date. But let's just say we wake up on that day and Shams Charania uh, has tweeted out, uh, you know, the Knicks are trading Julius Randle to Portland in exchange with like whatever. We'll just say with Nerlens as well. Who gives a shit? Um or Kemba Walker, perfect. Let's bye bye Kemba. Thanks for thanks for coming home. Uh, their Knicks are trading Julius Randle and Kemba Walker for CJ McCollum. How would you feel about that? Because I I I think I'd be good with that. Like I think I would be like, cool. That's fine. Yeah. I, 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 I think mean, I, you, I you feel like would benefit both teams. Yeah, I mean, you end up with a guard heavy roster, uh, which that basically guarantees that one of IQ Grimes, well, uh, probably multiple of those guys are moving, right? At some point, yeah. yeah. But you're pivoting a situation. This is, 
if you share the concerns I had, right, that there is a ceiling with this team with Randall being one of the key centerpieces. And ju- just to be clear, I do broadly agree with you. I just don't like trading him for Fox. It wasn't like, it's not like I don't see the logic of flipping Randall for a point guard. It's more like, I don't, I, don't, I know this sounds crazy because like, it's like, what has CJ McCollum really ever done? But I feel like CJ is, I, mean, I think he's proven more than Fox for sure. Um, and there's something about his game that this could just be a total aesthetic thing, the way he scores. I feel like that would open things up for this team a ton. Um, the the ancillary pieces, guys like RJ, quickly even, Obi. I think that's that's kind of where I think. And, and um, I don't think I agree with that still because I think I think that does underrate exactly how much Fox can open things up mm-hmm. and beyond. And I, I actually believe in. So part of it is also I was a huge Fox fan as a prospect. That was when we got jumped that year in the draft. I really believe if, if Sacramento doesn't jump us, we could have ended up with Darren Fox. And I thought he would be a good defender too, much better defender than he has been. I still think he has the capability to do that. Um, yeah, his steal rate has been encouraging. Like some of that is just, but it's, he's in a shitty environment. Yeah. Um, but. The reason I would rather trade for Fox than CJ is the age because we can trade for CJ McCollum, but and then and then you move IQ or some guys to get like I don't know someone like if we're really dreaming big cat here, I don't know that's like CJ is going to decline. Um, I think that he is like he's not as reliant as you say on athleticism to create, but as a six two guard, every inch counts as we found out the hard way with Kemba. So you're giving yourself not that bigger window and ultimately i don't know that cj plus cat or something or other disgruntled big ultimately gets you where you want to go whereas fox you know you have a longer time period uh if you wanted to not tank but kind of accumulate assets and rebuild uh, you could do that and build with the young guys it gives you a more flexibility um whereas randall for cj is still saying we're on this timeline um, and then, so, yeah, so is Randall for CJ a trade I would do? Sure. I prefer Randall for Fox because ultimately I don't know that saying, all right, we still want to win on the same timeline, but we're pivoting now to point guard centric, a, a point guard who is, is a liability on defense, um, and is aging. I, I would probably still do it. I just prefer the Fox trade personally. So here's a few things. Uh, would you trade for a point guard who was about to turn 30, was a two-time All-Star, and over the last four seasons had averaged 16.5, 7.8 assists, three rebounds, and was 47.5, 42, 90 splits? Uh, how much does he make and what's the contract like i guess here's about do you think that's a guy that you would be like he could maybe he could probably be the best player in a championship team no that is steve nash for the four years before he got before he went to phoenix yeah 7.8 is oh before he went to phoenix before he went to phoenix um look i'm not saying that if we got CJ McCollum, he's going to turn. We're going to have a Steve Nash like career arc. You don't That's think Tom Thibodeau plays the same offense <laughs> as Mike D'Antoni? <laughs> um, but like, I do think here. Look, this is what CJ McCollum has averaged in his career without Damian Lillard on uh, starting. Right, so thirty-seven games without Damian Lillard, thirty-six point six minutes per game. He's averaged twenty-seven point four points per game, five point nine assists, four point eight rebounds. 
45, 36, 78 splits from the field. That's a pretty big sample size. Uh, and that is like a high-end guard, a high-end starting point guard. Do you think he's a better... I mean, he's not that much worse than Beal, for example, right? A lot of guys lust out after him. Well, his his profile is lesser, right? And I think a lot of that is because he plays with Dame. And I, I don't know, man. Like I I thought I I thought about this a, a lot yesterday. Somebody had brought it up, and I, I don't remember even how his name came up. I don't think somebody brought it up before I even talked to Jeremy. And Jeremy didn't even bring up training for McCollum. He was like, you know, he did the nerd thing. He's like, oh man, if we could get Larry Nance. I'm like, <laughs> uh, shout out Jeremy, uh, I love you. Uh, but like, I mean, like we just touched on his play style, and like, I really do think he's a guy you could play well into his 30s. And I, I don't know, man. I like, I'm looking. The numbers for that Lillard are pretty fucking insane. Like 27, six, and five in 37 games. Like that's not a joke. That's a lot. And. If you can bring that from the guard position, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I think I would do that, and I, I, I would feel pretty good about it. Um, I, that's just me. I, I, I know, like, it's funny because I've been pretty uh, vocal about defending Randall, and I still believe in Randall. I just think that, like, something about McCollum, I would, I would feel a lot more comfortable betting on him in a Randall trade versus Fox. Uh, and I, and part of that, I'll just be completely honest, is the fact that McCollum's contract, I actually kind of like it because it's only two years after this one. Um, so I think he becomes an interesting trade chip potentially in a year or so, uh, with a shorter contract. So that, that to me is kind of like my broad thought on what I think about it and why I would do it. And then Portland sells itself on, I mean, yeah, like that could be an interesting team game. Randall and then Nance is actually kind of a cool big he's kind of a perfect big to play Randall with yeah um yeah I mean I think that that would um I don't know CJ would have to pan out if it turns out anything like Kemba Walker that would be disastrous have you watched the Blazers at all this year no not really I mean I I, from my my understanding I don't think CJ has looked washed um but yeah I mean I, I agree it's obviously a big risk but it's like, just like it's that in like the smallest thing for a six two guard or a six one guard has a massive effect. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, and obviously, look, he has a collapsed lung right now. I'm not familiar with what happens uh, when you have a collapsed lung. I don't know if that means like your endurance ability to play long minutes or whatever is impacted. No, no, legit, I have no idea. Um, but like, assuming you had some medical clearances and assurances of it, I, I would pull the trigger. I would, I would do it quick too I, and it's not because i don't believe in randall i just like the idea of going for cj mccollum and i like the idea of a guy who we can depend upon every night from the guard position to get you 20 25 a game um i think we haven't had that have we ever had that is clyde the last guy that we had that with basically so we will yeah and he, he was an elite guard oh, right? oh marbury but... yeah marbury okay so marbury which like you know, look, I wasn't the biggest Marbury fan, but could he really have won with the teams we put together? Probably not. So is that really his fault? I don't know. Probably didn't help that he was eating Vaseline. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just think like 37 games is a lot. That's a lot. And I'm going to have to, you know, get, shoot a message over to, to Cranjus and see what he thinks. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really, the more I think about a trade like that, 
And like, if you're Portland, I think they know they have to change things up, right? That's why there's been all these leaks from people over there, right? Like Dame has had a lead story leak. The organization has leaked a story. They obviously fired Neil O'Shea. CJ gave an interview. I think everybody's kind of getting their their angle out there, uh, preparing for whatever's next. And if they're not going to trade Dame, which I still think they're not going to trade Dame right now, uh, I mean, CJ has to go. And like, I mean, who are you really going to get anything better than Julius Randle for CJ McCollum? I don't think you are. Mm, well, I personally think that should be where the Sixers send Simmons, but unless you think you'd rather have. Well, I don't think Maury, I don't think Maury will do it for CJ. And who, who else? Right? Who are they going to get? Russell Westbrook? Well, <laughs> I think at some point he's just hoping that he can, like, if he keeps holding out, Ben will come back. And when Ben comes back and he puts up Ben numbers, people will forget everything that's come before this. And his, like, I, I do think there's something to that. Like, if Ben comes back and puts together a good two months, regardless of his issues in the playoffs and some of the stuff that happened within this offseason, trying to avoid playing and everything. Uh, I do think that teams would look at him and be like, oh, you know what? We can, like, when you, when you start seeing it again, I think there will be teams that are like, you know what? Maybe 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 he's the one for us. Maybe we need to make, make a move for him. Um, I, I would I would consider that. So that's just my thought. I don't know. I, the more I think about CJ McCollum, I've, I've talked myself into it. And I, I do like, you know, I, I do think you bring up a fair point in terms of like, you know, there is value in opening up minutes for Obi too. And if you're talking about like efficiently allocating resources in terms of the cap, um, and and just overall, like, isn't it more efficient to pay CJ and open up minutes for your cheap eighth overall pick, right? Like, then hoping that Tibbs can figure out how to play OB more than twenty minutes a night with Randall playing thirty five minutes a night. I feel like it is. I don't know. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think it's it definitely a positive for the Knicks. Um, but probably then there's a whole random loyalty thing. I don't know. Um, it's uh, and, and I think that especially with how many guys are... I mean, this is the kind of move you have to make at some point. You have to bet on a guy where it's like he's undervalued for some reason that you're willing to bet is unreal, right? Uh, I think... I remember... I think this is you and Prez did a pot a long time ago. And I remember, uh, you know, Levine came up. And this is not on either of you, but I think everyone in Nick's Twitter was like, do we want to trade a first-round pick for Zach Levine? I don't know. And now it's like, you know, and I was definitely did not want to do that. I looked at his defense. I looked at his on-off stats. But he's become a good defender. Um, And a lot of the narratives about him not being, quote-unquote, a winning player were also proven false. There are probably, you know, narratives about CJ that are the same way, right? He's not a point guard. Well, actually, when he plays without Dave, he's pretty good as a facilitator, right? Um, he's a terrible defender. He is, but he's also been known to have some good contests, and he's made some big plays in the playoffs on defense. Um, and I think whether it's that, whether it's buying into Cat, at some point we're probably going to have to take because those are the only kinds of guys that are available. You have to take a risk. Yeah, because you're not going to get. No one is trading Luka Doncic, right? And if they do, it'll be because something came out about him being. I don't know, far right or something, right? Yeah, he's <laughs> like actually that. is 260 pounds. Yeah, something like that, right? So, um, and the the great front offices are not the ones who only make no risk moves. They're the ones who calculate properly. And I'm not saying anything that's groundbreaking, but um, at some point, the Knicks are going to make a trade like that where people are going to be like, I don't know. And 
you know, whether or not it works out, it, it's that's the determinant of the success. It's well, it's like in the NFL, right? Like ultimately, you can be the greatest GM and draft well everywhere, but like whoever you pick as your quarterback, that's kind of the way. Like that's really what makes or breaks your career. Um, and the thing is, like if you make the right star trade, you can fuck up a lot of things. It gives you a great margin for error, right? Like, I, I mean, I look at the Bills as an example. Like, I don't. I think there's a lot of questions about how they've drafted the last couple of years and allocated free agent resources. But like when you draft Josh Allen, it buys you a lot of credibility and it gets you a lot of leeway and it buys you time, it buys you a lot of time. If you, if you trade for McCollum and all of a sudden you have a guard lighting it up at the garden and Obi is getting 30 minutes a night and he's translating the kind of things we've seen in the smaller sample to that larger sample, you know, like there's a world where all of a sudden you change the dynamic of the team and you really create a clearer path moving forward um and yeah like i think i think it is fair to bring up kind of like how muddled it feels a little bit in terms of how can we build around julius that's definitely a fair point to bring up um i'm i think i'm a little bit more bullish on how we can do that than you are not a little bit i think i'm quite a bit more bullish on, on that than you are but like i think it's a fair concern 100 and it's one that you've brought up a lot of people have brought it up i think it's fair um but like yeah i just see mccollum as like a you know, who was Julius before last season, right? He was just a guy who got you 19 to nine, but like, you can't win with him. Like, all these criticisms exist, right? I feel like CJ McCollum in another career on another team that didn't play with Damian Lillard could be seen, like, depending on if he ended up on the fucking Kings or something, right? Uh, I think he could have been labeled similarly, like, oh, like a lot of numbers, doesn't win much, whatever. This is a thing that you can say about De'Aaron Fox also. Um, again, we might disagree on kind of like what he ultimately is as a player, but like I do think obviously his stock has been depressed a bit by playing in Sacramento. Like CJ's on the guy, like maybe you get him in the right place all of a sudden, like voila, he actually is a star lead guard. And he just hasn't had the opportunity because he's played his entire fucking career with another star lead guard. Like it's it's very hard. Um and, you know, like, I actually have some sympathy for both of them in the sense that, yeah, their defense sucks, but it's like, well, do you, I mean, there's just some fundamental, like, limitations of what you can do if you play both of them next to each other, right? Dame and CJ. So is CJ more capable of being a good defender if he's the worst defensive player on the roster or in the starting lineup? That's something to consider. Um, and... Yeah, and I look. I'll say this also. I think I think Tibbs would love having a scoring guard like CJ. I think that would actually. Tibbs is not a great. He's not a uh, super complex offensive thinker, but he has shown throughout his career. If you give him a scoring guard, uh, he generally is able to build an efficient offense around that. Uh, and I would be curious to see what he could do with CJ. Um, you know, I can't deny that. I, I do think this is like something that. I wonder, I really do wonder if they got offered that deal, what they would say. If if you strip away, you know, like you mentioned, the loyalty aspect and all that shit. But just as like a, hey, look, we will give you CJ McCollum for Julius Randle. I would love to know what Leon Rose and World Wide West and these guys think about that. Because, I don't know, I just wonder. Because like you said, I let's not be stupid. Like, they definitely didn't plan on keeping Julius Randle. He just played himself into their plans because... Of how good he was last year, but that doesn't necessarily mean the uh, the long term, you know, 
I don't necessarily know that they're married to him in that sense. I do think they're married to him for this year, but hey, maybe even then I'm I'm off on that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that was a good pod. Uh, Stacy, is there anything that you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, no, just uh, I'll plug the Patreon again, and um, should be having another pod with uh with Matt Miranda on Believe Sports coming out tomorrow as well. So, uh, or sorry, uh, on uh, on Tuesday as well. So, awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh, I have nothing to plug. I'm just gonna plug that uh, NFL refs somehow are worse than NBA refs, and they can all fucking suck. At life, and I hope that they all get pain. Would you um, rather? Would you rather the Bills won the the Super Bowl this year, or Michigan won the playoff? Fuck, that's hard. Uh, probably the Bills won the Super Bowl because I feel like I don't know. This sounds crazy, but I kind of just buy that like Harbaugh is back, and Michigan will probably be in the mix for a while now. Famous last words. I'm bringing this up if in three years we're like eight and four and trying to hire Manny Diaz or something. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, yeah, look, hopefully. Thank God that Michigan had a good year because it was fucking brutal. Uh, All right. Well, that's our pod for today. And I will see everybody on Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.